Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. One of my best childhood friends was Tim, and his backyard backed up to my backyard. So all we had to do to get together was climb over the fence. Tim was always planning some type of adventure for us, making rafts like Huck Finn so we could try to cross Massengale Lake, building ramps to jump our bikes, starting fires with magnifying glasses. Once, he even showed me just how far we could be away from home by cutting through the woods, crossing the creek, and coming out on the other side. We were literally on the other side of town. Tim was always ready to jump off something, build something, or take off on one of our escapades. I think about my time with him when I think about Delphi. In this case, two young kids, heading out on an adventure. And it occurs to me what could have been, what should have been. Monday, February 13th, 2017, Liberty German and Abigail Williams went missing. They went missing in Delphi, Indiana, off the high bridge. Law enforcement and family searched through the night. February 14th, the next day, Law enforcement and volunteers continued their search, and during that search, their bodies were found. February 15th, law enforcement reveals that Libby's phone contained images of the suspected killer. The girls were found half a mile from the bridge on the property of a man by the name of Ronald Logan. February 22nd, 2017, law enforcement released the infamous audio that we've all heard where we believe the killer says down the hill. 
July 17, 2017, law enforcement releases the first sketch of the suspect. April 22, 2019, the Indiana State Police release a second sketch. The second sketch is of a younger man. October 26, 2022, law enforcement arrest 50-year-old Richard Allen of Delphi for these murders. We have somebody with us today that's going to help fill in some of the gaps and paint a better picture of what occurred there and where we are now. Y'all, we got Barbara McDonald with us. For over seven years, she was a senior writer at HLN. She is the co-host, writer, and producer. I want y'all to get that. A co-host, a writer, and producer of the podcast Down the Hill. And I can tell you from doing a podcast, How she does all that, I don't know. The most important thing to me when I think of Barbara is the fact that she spent six weeks in Delphi on her own time and on her own dime. Now, she may not tell you that, but I'm going to tell you that because she took her own time and her own money not to go to Greece, not to go to Paris, not to go to some all-inclusive place where you can stay naked for a week, She went to Delphi, Indiana, because this case meant that much to her that these two young girls, 13 and 14, were murdered in a place that arguably most of us had never heard of. But that's where she went. She used her intellect, her journalistic skills, and her vast network to investigate, advocate, and assist on this case. Now, she has also graciously helped me on numerous cases, again, in her spare time, like she's got any. But she is a solid part of my Zone 7. I am so happy to welcome Barbara McDonald. What a nice introduction. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here today talking to you about a case that I know means so much to both of us. It's really gotten under our skin. The family members have become part of our heart. You know, hopefully we are about to see justice for Abby and Libby. It's time. It is absolutely time. And you're right. I mean, I don't think you can spend two minutes with Kelsey German that you just don't fall in love with her. There's so many wonderful members of both families. And, you know, what I go back to all the time is these were two girls who were absolutely loved and cared for by their families and were important members of their families and had bright futures ahead of them. And we're going to grow up and do wonderful things. They both had goals. They both had dreams. They wanted to make a difference in the world, and they probably would have. And unfortunately, today we're talking about you know, the worst thing that happened to these families. You know, when Kelsey had mentioned to me that Libby liked law enforcement and detective work and had sort of a little fascination with it. Mm -hmm. And it strikes me that here on arguably one of the most highlighted cold cases that we've had in the last five years, that Libby is the one that gave us the best piece of evidence right out of the gate. She did that. You know, I often wonder if she knew just how significant that action was. You know, it's hard to go into those moments and think about exactly what they were thinking and processing as the events were unfolding. But the bravery that she showed to take that phone and try to get something that she could leave to say, this is what happened just before the end. 
And I certainly hope that as this prosecution moves forward, that they have all the pieces that they need, that they're able to make the case they want to make. They have charged this man, Richard Allen, with a very, very serious crime, the broad daylight murder of two little girls. As his case makes its way through the justice system, there's pieces that are coming out through documents released by the court. But you know, we should all want this man to get a fair trial because if he gets a fair trial, Abby and Libby get a fair trial. And that's what we want. We want justice for these two precious girls. I have never heard it put that way, Barbara, but I'm going to start using that. If he gets a fair trial, they get a fair trial. Yeah. And ultimately that, you know, there's so many people who watch this case and, and I've really watched recently, especially with the release of the latest round of documents, 118 documents that were released by the court publicly. There's information in there that, that some people are grabbing onto going, aha, this is it. This is the, the piece of evidence that proves that he did this. We're not there yet. He has been charged and we should all want to see this trial play out and see the evidence presented in court by the people who collected it, by the people who tested it, by the experts who analyzed the results, um, by the witnesses, hear what the prosecution is saying about all of that, as well as hear what the defense says about it and the holes that they try to poke in all of the evidence and facts that the prosecution is going to present and then come to a decision about, is this the man and has the state proven its case? I don't want to pass judgment at this point on whether Richard Allen is guilty or not of this crime, but I want to see him get that fair trial. I want to see the evidence presented. I want to see it picked apart. I want to hear what various experts say about the validity of this element or that element or this test or that test. I want to hear what the witnesses have to say, because in the documents that have been released, you know, some of their statements are contradictory. They don't really match up exactly. Um, some of them, there's some similarities there, but some of them disagree on, on things like his hair color and, and his height and all of that matters. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that day in court. Um, the trial is scheduled for January of 2024. Hard to say if it's going to actually happen then. As you know, a lot of things can happen, especially in a high profile case. So, you know, I want to reserve judgment and, and I would hope that more people would be willing to do that as well. No, I think that's valid. And if you want to look at things that are contradictory, you don't have to look any further than the two composites that they put out. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's valid what you're saying. And again, I tell people all the time, it's so nice to have people that kind of keep you grounded, remind you this is how the system works, mm -hmm. how it should work, how we should all want it to work. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. One of my mantras is you cannot take away walking that scene. You cannot, I don't think, overemphasize the importance of going to that scene. And here's what I tell people all the time. If I'm at a scene and there's some woods, it is as important to me where the body is as it is what's on the other side of those woods. Because on the other side of those woods, if you've got a cemetery, so to speak, or a liquor store or an apartment complex, that matters to me. Because this body disposal site was selected. It was selected before the murder. Why did the killer pick it? That's going to tell you about him. So you got to spend six weeks boots on the ground. Tell us about that. You know, uh, a highlight of my coverage of this case for sure was to be able to really blend in as much as I could to the Delphi community. You know, it's a it's a charming, quaint little town. Delphi is small, only about 3,000 people. It's the county seat of Carroll County, and Carroll County only has about twenty or 22,000 people. So we're talking about a very rural area. It's about an hour and a half uh, northwest west of Indianapolis, near Lafayette, which is where home of Purdue University, so much larger population there, but still not a huge, huge area. A lot of farmland, a lot of agriculture, a lot of people living very rural lives. And this is a small community. You know, it's not the kind of community that has a target 
you know, a movie theater or a shopping mall or anything like that. And so for two little girls to decide on a day off from school to go walk the trails, that's a pretty common activity there. And I have walked those trails so many times in all kinds of different weather from probably, I think you have done this as well, Cheryl, from like 15 degree weather with snow on the ground to 95 degree weather in the middle of summer. And what I have seen is that people use the trails. This is an area where people go and walk. You know, this isn't a community that necessarily has sidewalks and neighborhoods and and places that people can walk throughout the regular part of the community. Downtown, they have that. But where most people live, that doesn't exist. So I can totally see a world where, you know, you're out running errands. You want to go for a walk? Let's stop by the trails. That's what they're there for. And it's a really beautiful area of land. The Deer Creek runs through there and Parts of it are just absolutely beautiful. And, uh, you know, the deer and the wild animals and the various birds and the trees, the area is very sloping, thus the down the hill. So that gives you a lot of different types of um, land and plants. And it's just really a, a gem of the community. And Every time I've been out there, I've seen people using the trails for recreation. It is not an uncommon thing. Kids go out there to go for a walk. Adults go out there to go for a walk. I've talked to people who have ridden ATVs across the Monon High Bridge when it was in its, you know, disrepair before they just updated it and added a a walking platform onto the bridge to make it safer for people who do go out there to enjoy it. But it's a it's a really wonderful place. And I remember talking with Becky Patty early on and she was like, you know, when the girls wanted to go out there that day, they had the day off from school. And I thought, well, heck, that's better than them sitting in front of the TV all day. And that was the attitude, you know, and you were talking at the top of the show about your friend Tim and the adventures you would go on in your neighborhood. I grew up the same way. You know, we were the kind of kids that we're of that generation where Your mom kicked you basically out of the house at 9 a.m. and said, don't come back till the lights are on in the neighborhood. (laughs) And, you know, we were on our bike going all over the place. I mean, when I think back to how many miles away from home I would routinely travel as a seven, eight, nine-year-old, it's pretty surprising compared to today's standards of, of how parents parent their children. So I relate a lot to Abby and Libby going out there on the bridge, wanting to take pictures of the bridge. When I was 13, I was a shutterbug. I had my camera. I took it everywhere. I did the same kind of stuff. And this was two girls going out in broad daylight in the middle of the afternoon. My mom always said, go with somebody. You know, there's safety in numbers. As long as you're not alone, you'll be okay. And as you say, broad daylight with other people around. This was not some deserted, deep in the woods spot where they were going. They were going where there were tons of people hiking and biking and picnicking and everything else. Yeah. People go out there and fish and, and, you know, just go out and enjoy the the fresh air and the scenery. And uh, you're right. It's, it's not in a secluded area by any means. Uh, There are homes, not a lot of homes, but there are homes near the area within, you know, one or two miles. Um, Downtown Delphi is is only about a mile or two away. So it's not far at all. And um, 
you know, it's just really unfortunate what happened out there that day and how it has really changed this entire community. It blew up, as you know, into such a a media firestorm when it first happened. People were calling it the Snapchat killing uh, because of the video that Libby had got on her phone. It made the news all over the world, you know. I remember talking with law enforcement officers who were fielding calls from Japan and Finland and I think even Latvia. Somebody in Latvia called the Indiana State Police wanting information on the case. So it definitely touched a nerve with um, true crime audiences all over the world. And here we are now with somebody in custody facing trial. And uh, for a long time, it didn't really look like we were going to get there, but here we are. Well, you know, when I first got involved and they were saying, you know, it could be a transient person, it could be a truck driver. So when I first went there, I told Kelsey and them, don't tell me anything. Don't tell me where the bridge is. Let me see if I can find it. Well, there's not like a ton of signage like telling you, hey, this is one of our cool places to go hang out. And then once I kind of got near there's an overpass that, you know, has the bridge's name on it. Mm-hmm. And so when you turn and go under that underpass, you're still like, where the heck is this bridge? Right. So I was driving and I finally gave up and I said, okay, you're going to have to tell me. And Kelsey said, well, here's where you park. Barbara, I would have never seen that turn off. It was like gravel, but it was kind of, you know, in the midst of, some growth and other things on the side of the road. So then when I finally pulled up there, I could see, yes, there's a place to park and there's this beautiful little blue bridge, a walk bridge. But then you still have a good bit to go on this trail. And you have to go for a pretty good distance before all of a sudden you just turn and there's this bridge. It's almost like, wow. And it's bigger and taller and longer than you think in your head before you get there. So the first thing that I knew is there ain't no way somebody just came upon this bridge that was traveling through here. Not happening. Absolutely. And you know what? We had the first we had the same experience as you the first time that we went to Delphi. Um, I was with Susan Hendricks from HLN and two photographers. And we did the same thing with Kelsey. We said, don't tell us where it is. We're going to try to find it. And Mm -hmm. four of us with four smartphones could not find this bridge, could not figure out how to get to where we wanted to go. And I finally had to call Kelsey and and have her direct us there. And I had the same thought. There was no way this was somebody driving through and going, hmm, maybe I'll just stop there. This had to have been somebody who knew this was here. I've even talked to people who've lived in Delphi for many, many years and didn't know these trails were there until this happened. I remember telling Doug Carter, he's right there. He's within five miles of that bridge. He has to live there. So again, if you're a cold case investigator, you know that nine times out of 10, his name's already in the case file. So you've got to go back, look at every name, and make sure you can throw that person out. So our advice immediately, got to have fresh eyes on this thing. You got to start over. And I know me and a group of detectives and CSIs and psychopathologists, we all volunteered to do that for them. But it was that imperative. I will come there and do it because that's how confident I am. He's right there. And, you know, when you get to know the area and you walk around it, 
where the girls were found compared to where they were approached on the bridge seems to me to have been a deliberate effort on the part of the killer to get somewhere more secluded. I think where they were found is probably one of the most secluded areas that you could go to in that general area. Agreed. Where you're going to be out of sight, perhaps out of sound range from anybody else who might be using the trails or the park. A hundred percent agree. And there's even enough of a ravine that if you're laying there or prepping, leaving items, people looking up can't see it. So there's no doubt in my mind that location was picked before. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting, and and I don't hear a lot of people talk about this, but I think that is an area that also provides, if you're familiar with the area, I think that area provides multiple ways to get out. So if you are at this scene and you're doing something you shouldn't be doing and somebody begins to come near you, you would have plenty of notice that they're approaching you before they would know you were there. And you would have multiple ways to get out of there. Correct. And the first thing that kind of resonated with me as they were slowly giving us information is the one car that was parked way off. And then you look at the video. And, you know, I tried to, again, gently say to people, this person does not look like he goes to the gym every day. And the reason that is relevant is because who is going to park further away to then start hiking? And again, I want to be clear, I ain't being ugly. I didn't go to the gym today either. (laughs) And that's why I'm telling you, I'm not going to park a mile away before I start exercising. Especially when there are other places to park closer. Of course. It makes no sense unless... You don't want your car to be seen by the other people that are in that area. Yes. But do you really, do you think it's plausible that, I mean, we have a witness according to these documents that were released that says that she was driving on that road north of the cemetery, just north of the bridge, at just before 4 p.m. And she saw a man in jeans and a jean jacket who was muddy and bloody walking towards where that car would have been parked. I think you can't ignore it. And I think if you go from the cemetery to the crime scene to the car, as the crow flies, it possibly makes some sense to me. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural 
natural wool and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. There is not one female that is going to listen to this episode that has not had something happen to her with an unknown male, either. She was approached weird. He said something weird. He brushed up against her where, you know, he touched her butt. Or just gave her a weird vibe. Gave her a weird vibe. All of us have had that happen. And sometimes even more overtly, something has occurred. How many people videotape? Almost none. So here's what this meant to me. You've got a 14-year-old girl that videotaped this man. I believe something overtly happened before. I believe he passed them, said something, showed them something, did something. And then when he turned around is when she knew this is not good and started to video him. If you look at the, the photograph they released early on, He's to the right of that bridge. He's way more to the right. When I was going to walk on that bridge, baby, let me tell you something. Dead center with my arms out, right? I'm not trying to fall. I'm not trying to trip. He's so far over, it looks to me like his feet and his hips are turned coming back in. I believe he's turning around. That's what I think. And he's got his hands in his pockets. And that's another thing that I expressed to Doug Carter. There's no way he's not going to have his arms out. Just a natural way to protect yourself walking on these pylons that have, as you know, large gaps in some places where it looks rotten. And I just don't see somebody traversing that way to the side of it and their hands in their pockets. I agree that he was probably turning around. I absolutely agree that something happened before the camera came on. There was a reason why she was concerned already. And then she started recording. Um, And we don't know what that is. So I know you have put so much time and effort into this case. So anytime something is released, some bit of 
information or a fact or a piece of evidence, I know you just start reeling. But when you found out that on the video, when one of the girls mentioned the word gun, what was your reaction? My reaction might be different than a lot of people's. I am not entirely sure that the jury is going to hear that as clearly as that was stated in the probable cause. I think that there could be some debate about whether or not that word is used. The audio on that video um, is not clear. Police have mentioned several times that they had to clean up just what they presented to us publicly, which was the down the hill, and then they uh, amended it to guys down the hill. And my understanding is that there was even some debate about whether those words are correct. And there are some people who listen to it and hear other things. But I think that is more clear than what is said by one of the girls. A lot of people have, have speculated for a long time, me included, that perhaps he did have a gun and showed that to them on the bridge to help get that early control of these two girls physically. Um, and that's certainly not out of the realm of possibilities. One of the things I heard recently was that somebody was saying that on the video, you can hear the gun cocking. And, you know, there was the unspent ejected shell casing that was found at the crime scene between the bodies. Well, the video was taken on the bridge. So if he's cocking the gun on the bridge, I don't know that that explains the shell casing found a quarter of a mile away between the bodies. Yeah, that's a brilliant point. Depending on exactly where that action happened on the bridge or whether he had just stepped off of it. It could have been in the gravel at the end of the bridge. But if he was still on the bridge, there's a huge possibility that round would have ended up in the water. It certainly wouldn't have wound up between the two of them a half a mile away. Exactly. So did he cock the gun again later? And that is what led to the unspent shell casing being found at the scene. You know, we don't know. Um, we also don't know yet if there is any other evidence tying that bullet or gun to anything else. Um, you know, was his fingerprint on that gun? Or, I mean, on that bullet? Uh, did they find a partial print on it? Does that match in any way to him? Was there DNA on it? I have a lot of questions about that. And since, you know, the latest document dump says basically the documents contain information that there was a edged weapon used uh, in these murders. They were not killed by a gunshot. So I think that further waters it down a little bit for me. I'm very curious in, in hearing much more about that shell casing and what all the various experts have to say about it, what test was used, how reliable that test is. I, I want to see all of that. Yeah, I would love to believe that they got that thing to Francine Bardol and that they do have his DNA off of it, but I haven't seen anything that would suggest that. Right. And, you know, we don't, we don't know all the information the prosecution has, right? They put out these documents that the court did, the judge approved that, but that's still not the complete case. So, 
Oh, 100%. Yeah, there could be a lot more testing, a lot more evidence. There could be a lot more evidence pointing directly at Richard Allen, but we don't know that yet. But we do know that there's specific cell phone information, firearm information, electronics, clothing. He placed himself at the scene. Girl, you just beat me to it. (laughs) He volunteered that information. Yes. Uh, You know, what he says to police about his whereabouts while he was out there seems to match what the witnesses are reporting they saw. So, yeah, there is some potential corroboration there. And then we're going to have, you know, his computer, things he researched, things he looked at. We have already had, you know, statements from the family saying that when they were in CVS, he would say things to them, you know, that maybe in hindsight or a little creepy, whereas when they were first said to him, it didn't really mean that much. So, you know, who knows? But I think there is so much more to weed through. You know, that's the other reason why I want Richard Allen to have a fair trial because these families have been through so much already and just waiting six plus years for an arrest, that was tortuous for them. And now to begin this judicial process, you know, that could play out for years when you're talking about convictions and appeals and, you know, delays. And this could be a process that takes another couple of years. And I I want them to be able to at least know who did this, potentially why it happened, so that they can move on with their grieving. Not that that brings closure, not that that brings the end of anything, but as I think Mike Patty says a lot, you know, it, it would end a chapter, right? And allow them to open up a new chapter that perhaps could have more healing in it. Well, I think for the whole community, having the who takes away a lot of fear, takes away a lot of this guy still walking around among us, you know. But I'll tell you one thing that I am hopeful. With these alleged five confessions, I hope he said something that only the killer would know. Absolutely. That's the other thing. You know, there's a lot of people who are saying, oh, he confessed, so it's a done deal. Well, not necessarily. We need to hear what he said and whether or not he offered any information that only the killer would know. Like if he said that, yeah, I took her yellow underwear. Did he give a color that we didn't know? Did he say, you know, exactly how he murdered them? I've always thought it was with a straight edge weapon. I thought it was most likely their throats. I don't know that. Did he say it? Because the killer would know. And did he offer anything? Like, we haven't heard anything about who might have been attacked first or how many wounds might have been on each victim. Did he give information about that? Exactly how he staged them. Yeah. And, you know, the defense is arguing that, well, you know, these are incoherent statements, ramblings of a man who's degrading mentally. Um, So... I'd like to hear the call where he allegedly confesses five times to his wife. And what was the context of that? Was he like, hey, I, I got to tell you, like, I did this. Like, I'm not going to get out of this trouble. I did this. Or was it just, you know, 
fine, I did it, I did it, I did it. I mean, there's a lot of, of variation. And I want to hear what he said and, and, and what she said and what the conversation was leading up to it. I want to know all of that. The ex-prosecutor mentioned to me that there were three different signatures in his opinion. We have all understood and I readily accept that there was staging at that scene. What is it? Did he say it? Did, would he give any information that would make us go, oh, I get it. It has to be him because this was never released. Any last thoughts? You know, Mac, I think at the end of the day, this is a case about Abby and Libby. And a lot of the headlines right now are focused on Richard Allen as they need to be because there's a lot of news happening with the case. But this crime was about two little girls, 13 and 14 years old. They would be 20 now. Libby would be approaching her 21st birthday later this year. And just think of all that they missed. Prom, driver's license, boyfriends, college. You know, Libby missed seeing her sister, her best friend, her big sister get married. Um, she's missing her first niece. Kelsey is having a baby. And... Um, there's just so much loss from just this horrendous attack. And whoever did this should absolutely be caught and they should be punished. But just remember Abby and Libby. They deserved a lot more than they got. And um, I really wish we could have seen what they would have done with their lives. I could not add to that if I wanted to. Your podcast, Down the Hill, I listened to the entire thing. It was one of the most comprehensive, all-inclusive, 360 view that I've ever listened to. Oh, thank you. Can I give a quick shout out to the team that worked with me on that, Dan and Drew? I mean, it, it was an amazing experience on my part. Absolutely a professional highlight to have been teamed with such amazing professionals and to be able to create that work. And I'll forever be proud of it. Well, not only can you give a shout out, I'm going to second it. And I'll tell you, in a small world, little action, you and I are talking in Delphi the morning of the press conference beforehand. And then all of a sudden behind me, I hear Cheryl, like question mark. And I turn and I turn around and it's Drew. And here's the great thing, just for people to know. When I used to do uh, the Nancy Grace show uh, and we would have to go to CNN, Drew would sometimes babysit Hunt and Caroline for the hour that I was on air. <laughs> he's such a great guy. <laughs> oh, he's tremendous. And Huck and Caroline used to have such a great time with him. He would entertain them. And that's not easy to do. With two, They were little at the time. You're talking about, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And, uh, I mean, he, he taught them that paper football game. He would play. <laughs> that he sounds would, like Drew. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And they would always have some great story to tell, some game he taught them. So, yes, you can brag on them, but, but I want people to understand again, you know, there's all these talents that people have that they brought to this thing. It's not just, hey, I'm going to do a podcast. You brought everything you had to it, even your travels. 
So did Drew. Yeah, absolutely. And and Drew and Dan and I, we still talk about the case all the time. We share things with each other all the time. You know, they're my sounding board. And um, it's it's just this case either gets under your skin or it doesn't. And it absolutely got under theirs. Uh, so they joined me in my obsession. And, um, you know, for probably about nine months, we worked exclusively on that. Well, Barbara, I can't thank you enough for being here and sharing your genius and your expertise. And I'm just going to give you the final word. Thank you so much for this chance to, to talk about them and this case. Like everyone else, I'll be watching to see how this plays out in court. Y'all, I'm going to end Zone 7 the way that I always do with a quote. From now on, it is our task to suspect each and every one among us. That's from Agatha Christie's book, And Then There Were None. I'm Cheryl McCollum, and this is Zone 7. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.